welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Amen. Hey, good morning, church. Morning, man. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today, and I'm pumped that you're here. I mean, weather's right. I mean, how many of you just love the week of Thanksgiving? Uh, all the teachers in the house said... Amen, amen, right? We get a little break, but man, uh, I just want you to know I, I'm excited for this season. I'm excited for today. I'm thankful that you're at church. If, if you're new here, man, my name's Buck, and, and as you see, uh, we're a simple church. We gather uh, in this theater, and everything we do uh, is about connecting people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And so, man, I'm thankful for what God's doing. As you see, uh, the weather has chilled out, so we brought the baptismal in the house today. But the good news is uh, we have another young lady that has said yes to Christ this week with her parents. She'll be getting baptized today. Uh, can we just celebrate and say thank you to the Lord? And for our family that's been coming for a while, I, I wanted to share this last week, but I'll share it this week. Um, w- one value that I have uh, that, that I really want us to hold to as a church. And, and our staff, we say this every Tuesday morning. Uh, we're not just a church to attend. We don't have just church attenders and staff members. Uh, we are a family to follow Jesus with. And, uh, and I've held to that value. And so uh, I want you to know, since he's on stage every week, uh, Jim Turner, uh, he's been here for now, coming up this, uh, the end of this winter. He's been here three years, uh, which is just crazy uh, how fast time has gone. And, and from the time he's gotten here to now, man, he's just done an incredible job building our worship ministry and developing leaders around him. And so uh, with those three years, uh, I don't remember many Sundays that he has missed. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to give he and his family a few weeks off to recharge, and then also uh, I want you to pray for his family. Uh, Nicole's father uh, has been battling cancer, and uh, man, I I just felt like this would be a time that we could uh, just give them some time, amen, because they are a part of our family, and we're so very thankful for them, and wanted to let you guys know that. And uh, and David, uh, who led today, and can we just say thank you for David for leading us. He has come on as an intern, and and we have the ability to do that because we're serious about developing leaders in the next generation. And so David and Jamie will be uh, leading us in worship. And so with that being said, could we just pray for the Turner family as a family? Would that be good with you guys? Let's do that. Uh, Father, we love you. Uh, God, thank you for how good you've been to our church, Lord. Thank you for the people you've sent us and, and God, the the family we have here. And so, God, I, I pray for the Turners. God, I pray for this time. Uh, God, that you would bless them, that it would be a rejuvenating time. And also, I pray for Pastor Tom um, and just pray for their family as a whole that this will be a sweet holiday season. And I uh, pray that you would bless them, keep them. And God, again, we do say thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those. First John chapter 3. Uh, if you haven't been with us, we're walking through uh, the book of 1 John line by line today. Uh, we'll be in verse 11, but I do uh, want to highlight, I know uh, Satilia mentioned it, but man, um, Christmas is around the corner, and so we have some exciting plans. First of all, uh, we will be meeting in the Ice House on December 4th and December the 11th. If you've been a part of a service in the Ice House, can you just say, uh, yes, it's going to be awesome. It's a great time for us to get a change up. Uh, we're kind of the, the church that's pretty flexible. We just kind of move around when we need to. 
And uh, man, we look forward to seeing you over there. But also, uh, we are going to be doing God Gave, this, this week-long chance for us to be a generous blessing to our community. And in those five things, I want to let you know what we're going to be supporting. Number one, we're going to be supporting Shepherd's Blood Center. Uh, and what, what they are is a place that, that we can go and donate blood, all right? And, and it blows me away as I've gotten to know more and more about this facility. We're in a massive blood shortage. And then it convicted me because uh, I'm a universal donor and I could do better with this. And, and so, man, um, I, I would love for us to set some goals with that. Um, it's not a competition, but I plan for us to win, Okay. Um, and, and so we want to give blood. We want to be generous with what we have. And all of us, if you're breathing, you got blood. Uh, the, the other thing is we're going to be giving gifts to CASA. And what CASA is, it's a place where abused and neglected children, um, really their first uh, encounter coming out of bad situations is with CASA. And then what a, an amazing uh, opportunity for us to give gifts to children that are in the most need in our community. Amen. And then also we're going to do a neighborhood prayer walk. We're going to give our time to go into neighborhoods in our community that need the love of Jesus. We're going to begin to build relationships there and see if we can find someone that may be interested in uh, helping us plant a connect group in areas of our community where we have not yet planted connect groups. And then Satilia mentioned ABC Women's Clinic. One thing I'm excited about, not only are they saving children, 74 people have come to faith in Jesus in that clinic right over there this year. This year. And so, man, we can celebrate and thank God for that. And then lastly, we're going to invite people to our December 23rd Christmas service. And so I'm pumped, man. It is a chance for us to live out our value. We believe that the gospel produces generous people. When we see what Jesus has given us, what a chance as we celebrate the birth of his son to give his love to this community. Amen. And I look forward to that. But today, we're picking up chapter chapter 3, starting in verse 11. Let's read the word of God together. It says, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know what, that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded the one who keeps God's commands lives in love, lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Let's pray. Father, I pray over this message. I pray you would use it, God, that it would be glorifying to you. Just as David said, God, would you help us to focus our hearts on you? And God, I do pray that you would move. God, it, it amazes me that right now uh, you can speak to everyone in this room. 
through your word. I pray you do that. Help us, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So today I'm going to be talking about the word confidence. And as I think about the word confidence, uh, confidence is really pretty critical, whether it be in uh, your, your workplace, uh, in, in athletics, confidence is really the X factor of success, all right? I, I think about it, man, I was uh, watching the, 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 the dogs play this year, and man, it blows me away that there's a cat out there playing in the SEC. He ain't nothing but maybe an inch or two taller than me. His name's Stetson Bennett, and he's out there battling, right? I mean, he's, he's like my height, and he can't see over the line, but yet he keeps rallying this team and they continued to win. Why? Man, you can just tell he exudes confidence. He believes in himself, right? I, I used to think about it when, when I was coaching wrestling. Of Man, um, I, I would teach all the techniques. I would take kids to these camps. I would give them all the resources they need to be successful wrestlers. And man, no matter what it, what it was, there were some kids that could walk out there and perform and do well and no matter how talented some were, some just lacked confidence and just couldn't do it. They, they were missing the X factor. And I've seen other kids that were less, con- less, uh, less talented, had less ability, but in the simple belief in themselves, confidence, they could go out there and do great, great things. And so I think about confidence and how critical it is in our lives. I like to think my, my dad, he, he poured some of that into me and he, he made me believe that, that I could do great things. I could do whatever I set out. And so let me encourage you parents, be your number one cheerleader for your children. Believe in your children. Give them confidence. That's a great gift you can give your children. But as we go into the Christian sense, I want to pose a question. Is confidence a bad thing? You know, sometimes people uh, mistake confidence for, for pride, and we see in the Bible that that's, that's not what it is. And, and so what do we do with confidence? I want you to know confidence in Christianity is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a great thing. But in the Christian life, our confidence is inverted. As we've talked about having great confidence in ourselves, let me show you something here. Uh, Having confidence shifts our focus from having confidence in what we can do to having confidence in what our God can do. That's the picture of confidence is that it shifts. The Christian faith realigns the place we put our confidence. And I would say that confidence is critical for us to grow and flourish as Christians because the opposite of confidence is fear and worry. It's fear and worry and anxiety. And we know that these things are not of God. And so we see that confidence is good, but I want you to know that confidence is not in ourselves. It's not in ourselves at all. In fact, confidence in the Christian life, I want you to know this, okay? In a world that promotes self, in, in a world that, that selfish ambition and pride and, and, and self-exaltation is kind of what drives the narrative of many of our American lives, I want you uh, to know something, is that w- in the Christian life, what it does is it shifts toward great confidence in God. And what I want you to know, John, as he's writing this letter, he wants these young believers to have confidence in their God. We see in 1 John 5, 13 and 14, he shares why he wrote this whole letter we're studying. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may highlight this, know that you have a con- eternal life. I-, I think when the end is taken care of, it gives you a lot of fuel for the journey. Amen? We're, we're confident of who we are and-, and what's on the other side of death. It fuels the way we live. 
And I believe that's what John's wanting to teach these young believers. I, I love you. Think about a, an old 80-year-old pastor who's saying, man, I've done a lot of life. I want you to have confidence in your faith. And that's what he's telling us here. Now, verse 14, and he says, this is the highlighted, the confidence we have in approaching God. It's a game changer when you can approach God with confidence. Amen? It's a game changer. And it says, we, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so today, uh, uh, what I want to talk about, the main idea is that I want you to have confidence in your faith. I want you to have confidence in y- your faith. And, and that my number one goal, if you don't know Jesus, I pray that that would change today. You would know that you know. And if you do, I pray that you would be stronger in who you are in Christ. Those are my simple two goals for today. And so as we read verses 11 through 15, I want to point a couple things out to you. It says, for this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. I heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Verse 11. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. We love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. First thing I want you to take with you. My heart is for you to grow in confidence. We grow in confidence first by recognizing our enemy. By recognizing our enemy. How do we grow in confidence? First, I want you to look at the opposite of what it is to be confident, to have faith in Christ, and to live a Christian life. And so we see it in Cain. And we see that in the story of Cain, I'll just simplify it. Uh, Cain and Abel were the first two kids Adam and Eve had. All right, And so uh, they're, they're living and it comes time for them to make a sacrifice to God. And Abel, with a good heart, gives a sacrificial gift to God. It, it cost him something. He loved God in his heart and his actions demonstrated it by what he gave God, he gave him an offering, the, the, first, the, the, the firstborn of his flock, and it's a beautiful picture. But Cain, Cain's heart was evil, and he didn't love God, nor did his sacrifice show that he loved God. And so what does God do? God uh, praises Abel, and he was displeased with Cain. And Cain was angry, he was jealous, and if you have little siblings, I mean, this is easy to see, right? And he murdered his brother Abel. Because he was jealous. He hated him. He was, he was angry that God chose him over the other. And so I want you to know some identities of the, the enemy. And the first thing we have to see is that it, it says that Cain belonged to the evil one. His identity. If you missed the sermon last week, I'd love for you to go back. And we talked about the first step of being secure in who we are in Christ is understanding our identity in Christ. That we belong to Jesus. But we see that Cain didn't belong to Jesus. He belonged to the evil one. Everything starts there with who you are, who do you belong to, right? The second thing we see, Cain's life demonstrated that he belonged to the evil one. His life backed up who he was, right? It's, it's our actions that speak louder than what we say. And so uh, we see that his life demonstrated that he belonged to the evil one. He's of our enemy. And thirdly, Cain's life was marked by hatred and jealousy. That's pride, Remember, I talked about, is confidence bad in the Christian life? Absolutely not. But understand, pride absolutely is. Pride's wrong. And and we see that he had selfish motives, selfish ambition in coming before God. 
And it was out of this idea to promote self, to be about self, that God humbled him. And that as he didn't get what he wanted, his life was really marked by hatred and jealousy. And what he's doing is he's telling us, man, the Christian life today, the main idea, the Christian life is about love. And the worldly life and the life of the enemy is evil and hatred. And he's beginning to give us these two distinctions between what's of God and what's not. And I want you to know something, Christian. He says, don't be surprised when the world hates you. It's a distinction. Why would he do that? He's given this Cain example. Well, listen, all of us who don't know Christ are sons of Cain, right? Everyone in the world, it's sons of Cain. And it says, don't be surprised uh, when the world hates you. And so hatred is a, a, a thing we need to talk about. And he says that in verse 15 that no one who has murdered, right, is, has eternal life. Well, I want you to know that it's not just uh, murder. And first of all, um, if you've done that, man, I, I pray that, man, you must have got out or something. If, if you haven't been caught, we need to have a conversation after, all right? Um, but in Christ, you're forgiven of that, amen? There's no sin you can go that his grace can't outrun. And we can be forgiven. But what he's saying is it's not, about the, it's not about the action of murder. It's about the heart and the symptom of the murder. And that hatred is a heart matter. Read with me uh, Matthew 5, 21 and 22. It'll be on the screen. It says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Now, 22. And this is Jesus talking. Jesus is saying, I'm resetting the standard. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, uh, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. What he's saying is, hatred is a heart issue. It's a heart issue, right? The, the actions just follow the heart. But see, what Jesus deals with, he doesn't deal with the symptoms of the problem. He deals with our heart. And so what we see is this two distinctions between uh, growing in confidence and growing and not. Uh, growing and not. So, so uh, why? Why does talking about our enemy help us grow in confidence uh, with, with God? You know, we're in the, the high school football playoffs. We're, we're, we're in the, the middle of football season. And so I used to coach some, some football, and uh, we, we weren't real good when I was coaching. So that may be on me. I don't know. Uh, you know, we went to... Off track. We went to Portal for my last game, got shut out at Portal, one of the smallest schools in the state, um, and that's how my football career ended. Now I'm preaching. So, uh, so I don't, I don't have a lot. I didn't study the film well, but this is it. So what we would do, I coached the secondary, and on Sunday afternoons, man, we would spend hours uh, studying the opponent's film. We would learn what they were going to run, how they were going to uh, do things. And, and so what we do is as we studied the, the enemy or the opponent's tactics, we began to learn what they were going to attack us with. And it helped us to build a defense. And so it's so important that we talk about the enemy's activity in our life, some of the evidences that he's working in our life, hatred and jealousy and pride and all those things. Because listen, we can't defeat an opponent we don't recognize in our life. We can't defeat an opponent we don't recognize in our life. And so uh, we have to see that uh, that anger, that hatred, that bitterness, that it does not come from our father, it comes from our enemy. But I want you to know about great teams. This might be why we weren't real good then. Great teams are not solely focused on what their opponent's doing. Does that make sense? 
In the Christian life, usually what happens when it comes to the enemy and demonic, either we spend way, much too, way too much time looking and thinking he's in everything, or we don't spend time at all believing there's an enemy, right? And a lot of times that's where we miss it. But see, what God calls us to do is not focus all our time on the enemy, but to focus our time on our Savior and what he's called us to do, right? In the same way with football teams, of, of teams are going to learn what the opponent's doing, but teams that are great consistently, they are very, very good at what they are doing, right? Christian, we need to get good at what God has called us to do, amen? So many times we waste too much energy focused on the not-tos instead of what we have been called to do. It's a picture of being good at what God has called us to, that we are to become confident in our identity, become confident in who we are and what he has called to do. And as we do what he has called us to do, we're going to grow in confidence and begin to recognize the voice of the enemy. And so how do we apply this to the spiritual life? I love you, but hear this. We can't play for two teams. We can't play for two teams, right? And, and so we see that there is a real enemy and we have a real savior. We have to understand the tactics of the enemy, but the main thing I'm telling you today is we have to become confident in who we are. And I just want to speak to something. You know, in the last two months, I think, I think we've had like 20 people give their life to Jesus. That, that's amazing to me. But one thing that I wish someone would have spoke to me when I came into the faith and I began to grow, I wish someone would have told me how hard it is. That it's, there's opposition I've heard from folks in our church of, you know, you know, they've made decisions for Christ, been baptized and begin uh, growing. And, and they felt opposition from friends at work, or sometimes in family. And man, I don't know about you, but, but I would be asking like, Lord, I'm doing the right thing. Why does everything around me feel wrong? Why do people talk down to me? Why do people talk about me? Why are people jealous of me? Right, well, I wanna let you know something, Okay. The enemy hates it because hell's losing people, right? He's going to rep up opposition because he hates it. He hates what God's doing here. He hates what God's doing in your life. And listen, not only does our enemy hate it, but the world hates what God's doing. It's, it's a part of it. It says, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. So if I can encourage new, new Christians, if people are questioning your faith, Bringing up your past. Oh, it's not real. Give them two weeks. I want to let you know, you remember what your Savior has said over you and not the world, what the world says about you. You remember what our Savior has said about you and you continue to grow in your identity. Because it's hard enough as we fight sin, we fight our enemy. 1 Peter 2.11 says this. It says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. One of the reasons there's resistance because we're living in a tent and heaven's our home. We're living in a tent here. Heaven's our home. And it says, and it says that, be, live as foreigners and exiles that don't get comfortable here because you're not home yet. But abstain from sinful desires which wage war, what, against your soul. That's opposition, right? Everything comes against it. But man, listen, we have a savior who is overcome. And I, I get excited of what started as a little small group here and God has expanded it and it continues to expand. What we're doing as our church grows, we are, we are seeing God build gospel-centered culture in the city of Dublin, in our county, and we're getting ready to plant this movement and move it to the next county over. It's creating culture, right? And what happens is, as it grows and grows, man, uh, we grow as brothers and sisters in Christ, and there's a lot of strength in walking beside people who are walking the same direction you are, amen? And so I wanna encourage you, continue to grow 
and confidence by recognizing what comes from the enemy. Now, we pick up in 16 through 18. It says, this is how we know what love is. Verse 16. Anytime you see a colon and God says, this is what love is, like, you better, that's pretty important, right? This is how we know what love is, the definition of love. It says, Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear, dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. So we want to grow in confidence in who we are in Christ. We want to grow in confidence in our faith. We grow in confidence by loving people. By loving people. I know that may sound simple, but if you tune me out the 20 minutes before, the 20 after, this is the one I want you to hear. God's called us to love people. We may not be a perfect church. We may not get it all right. There may be some details that God still sanctifies in, but I never want us to be a church that misses the fact that we're called to love people. At the end of the day, we can miss a million ways. We gotta get this one right. And so God gives us a definition of love. And what is love? Now, love can make us feel a certain type of way. And it's going to embarrass her, man, but sometimes, like, uh, when, when Carly's up here, man, I see her singing, and it makes me feel some type of way, all right? I feel a lot of love for that woman. Or my son that's here today, man, my, my older son, he's gotten to be with us today, so fired up he's here. It makes me feel some type of way, right? And I love it. But all that comes from this demonstration. And what did Jesus do? What is love? Number one, love is humble. Love is humble. Jesus was the son of God, came from heaven, and what he did is he left heaven, all right? This is love. He left heaven, he came to earth, he could have set up a temple for himself, could have set up a throne for himself, and just had people wash his feet all day. But he said, not only am I leaving heaven, I'm coming to take on the form of a servant, and I'm gonna wash feet. We see that love is humble. What is love? We see that love is sacrificial, Jesus Christ, not only did he leave heaven, he humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant, but he, on, he took on the form of a sacrifice for our sin. He got up on the cross, and what he did is for the sins of the whole world, from Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, all the way down for us, he got up on that cross, he bore the wrath of God, he died a, crucial, a, a crucifying death to save us from our sin. That's love. That, that makes us feel some type of way, but it ain't the kind I was talking about, right? And this is love. It's humble, it's sacrificial, and then number three, it's demonstrated by action. Love is demonstrated by action, right? Jesus didn't talk about, just talk about going to the cross. Jesus didn't just think about it. Oh, that was a good idea. Listen, he got his bootstraps on, he went, he got on the cross, and he did it. He did it in action. His action is what demonstrated love. It wasn't good talk about it. It wasn't good thoughts about it, but he went and he did it. Brother and sister, this is what we've been called to do. We go and in action, we humbly, sacrificially, and lovingly go and serve people. We go and love people. That's what the call is. The distinction of the Christian is loving people. Just, just loving people. And I, I just wanna, I was bragging on our connectors. Y'all, it is amazing. This month, we had 151 fifth grade and under kids at our church. That happened. That went down. That may be going down down. I'm not sure. It's a bunch of them. And man, and, and, and so many young families, and praise God for that. 
But what it does is it, it, it means that we, we have people that are stepping up in the church that are going to love, serve, share the gospel. We don't, listen, Katie and Jessica and all, they don't babysit. They're trying to share the gospel with your baby all the way to your fifth grader. We want them to understand the gospel. I mean, they're not just over there getting by. There are people that are having their hearts ready uh, to go. And I, I just want to let you know uh, why I love the, the fact that we set a goal for 80% of our church to serve. Because going over there to teach the next generation about Jesus, showing up at 10, 15 a.m. with your heart right to share the gospel with someone, that is love in action. <laughs> Can we just honor our kids connectors for just a second? And man, what... Because you know why they do it? They do it humbly, they do it sacrificially, and they show up and they get it done. That's why I say our studs, man. You, you see anybody wearing an orange shirt, orange shirt on Sundays? You want to join that thing? You're looking at a stud, man, I'm telling you. Somebody loves the Lord. And so I, I think about love, okay? Now, I got to quit doing this because I don't want my kids to think they're going to end up in sermon illustrations all the time. But I'm going to do it this time, so don't tell her. And I won't tell which child. But I have one of my children that, man, they're a threat to end up at the nurse in a heartbeat. Anybody got one of them, Yeah. Man, they, they threaten to get to the nurse, right? And, uh, and, and so it's like, oh, I don't feel good. Well, what, what symptoms do you have? Uh, I don't really have any, right? I think about my brother when I was a kid. Man, me and my dad, we used to go fishing all the time. And we would stay out there. I mean, I was like seven. It was cold as this morning. I'm out there in my coveralls fishing for white perch, freezing to death. But we would stay a long time. Well, my little brother never wanted to go, never wanted to go, because he always got out there 10 minutes later, and he said, Daddy, I'm ready to go to the house. He's like, son, I'm going to take you to the house. So one day he gets ready to go, and he, he wants to go fishing with us. And, and so we get in the boat, and Daddy tells him, like, listen, we're not going back. All right, so, so if you get bored, you're going to have to hang in there. And he's like, Daddy, I want to go. He said, are you sure? Yeah. And so sure enough, we get out there 20 minutes in. We're fishing on the lake. And, uh, and, and he says, Daddy, what, what, Brian? I'm ready to go. Son? I've done told you, we're not leaving. I got it. He plays in the minute bucket a little while. Dad, what? We leaving yet? No. And finally, Lake's as calm as it can be out there. He said, Daddy, what, Brian? I'm sick. What do you mean? I think I'm seasick. <laughs> no symptoms whatsoever. So, so we know... Then we get sick, we have symptoms, right? Like if we come down with the flu, there's going to be some serious symptoms. Fever, cough, whatever, right? Religion is a person that, claim, that claims to be a Christian but has no symptoms. Claims to be a Christian without no symptoms. And listen, if you're like, man, do, do people know if I caught Christianity? Listen, the number one symptom that you caught Christianity is that you love people. That's the number one symptom. That's the, moment, that's the diagnosis. I shouldn't talk uh, Christianity and the flu, but listen, man. When, 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 it comes to know, when, when you come to know the Lord, that, that loving people is the number one symptom of life. Man, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. And listen, in Christianity, so many times, you know, I want to talk to you today about what we're called to do. And so many times we waste too much energy focusing on what we're not to do instead of focusing on the one thing God has called us to do. Listen, I don't want you to get perfect. I don't want you to be perfect. You're not going to be. But I want you to know that I want us as a church, I want us to fall forward, not backward. If we're going to mess up, we're going to mess up moving forward. 
We're going to mess up loving God, loving people, and loving this community in a way that there's something different going on with those people. And they love, look how they love people. And it's really that, man, that the goal of the Christian life is not to focus your eyes on what not to do, but listen, to focus your eyes on Jesus, what he's called us to do, and step out there and walk in it. And if you mess up, man, walk up, mess up and put one foot in front of the other. That we are called to go and to love. And maybe for some, like, man, I've come to faith in Christ, but I've messed up in the past and, and, and all those kinds of things. And, and maybe you really have a heart to change your work environment, to change your home, to see God do great things in your life. Just like we talked about with Jesus, it's your actions that will change your audience. It's your actions that will change the people around you. Not what we say, but what we do. And I just pray as a church, let us be known much more for what we're for, not just what we're against. Let that be true of us. Let that be true of us. So let's get some practical application. Number one, we can't give a love away we don't have. So first, as you hear the gospel, what Jesus has done for us, receive his love. You didn't do anything to earn it. He went and gave it freely, and we get it by repenting of our sins and placing our faith in Jesus. That's who we are. He went to the cross for us. And so we can't give away love we're not getting. That's why I talk about every week, man. As we spend time with Jesus, he fills us with his love, and that's what we give away to the world. But you're like, boy, I mean, we're talking in these theological, uh, big, big picture. How can I love people this week? Uh, uh, number one, I, w- I want to give you this example. Your first ministry is your home. Begin to love your home really well. Lo- love whoever's in your household really well. Love your family really well. Demonstrate it sacrificially, humbly, and with action. But then in your workplace, man, be that guy that brings the donuts to work. And get the good ones too, right? Not the crummy ones. Get the good ones. Dunkin' Donuts is sorted, man, on time, every time. But listen, be the guy that brings the donuts to work. When you have a coworker, you're going to be scared to death. They're teared up. They're going through a hard time. It don't have to be a long prayer. Pray for them. You, you would be surprised that the door's prayer opens. Just pray for them. Be the person, when someone's down, be the person that gives them the hug. Even if you're not a people person, man, people be touching you like, get off me. Listen, give the hug. Show some compassion. And then also, man, if we've got the joy of the Lord, even if your work's a mess, even if it's hard, even if the the environment is toxic and it's negative, you reflect on the gospel and you walk in there with a smile, walking with the joy of the Lord. I'm telling you, be the trendsetter. Be the leader. Leaders aren't leaders entitled. Leaders are leaders by what they do, right? Lead the change you want to see in your work environment. Be, Be the change you're dying for. I know they're draining you. I get it. I know they're selfish. I know they're stabbing you in the back to get the promotion. Listen, if you want to change the place you are, be the change you want to see. Be the change. Be marked by love because what happens, love builds bridges. Love builds bridges with people and it's a bridge that Jesus can walk across to get to their heart. All right? And so we see that we are to walk in love. Now lastly, I want to finish 19 through 24. This is what God's word says. It says, uh, this is how we know that we Uh, belong to the truth. We belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Verse 22, and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. 
And this is his command, to believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. This is the one, uh, the, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. The third thing I want you to take with you today, we grow in confidence as we experience fellowship with God. Now, you know, talking about love and, and all that, man, I just learned I can, I can do a lot of the right things. I can have good rhythms in my life. I, I, can, I can read the right things. But man, as much as anybody in here, I need the presence of the Lord. I can't give you guys anything of life that I'm not getting from him. I, at, at, at best, at best, apart from the Holy Spirit, this is a motivational talk at best. At, at best, we need God. And I need God. It's just been sweet this week because I've been reading about the Gospels and Jesus, and it's just been, it's just been good. I mean, you guys do so good of loving on me and, and, and encouraging me. And, but, man, I, there's nothing like the presence of God in our life. Amen? There's no middleman for that. And it's just been sweet. And that's what I want for you. You know, as we talk about this series of all, we, we've been preaching, man. I want you to get this. Our confidence grows as we experience fellowship with him. And confidence is a heart matter. It says that we can set our hearts at rest in his presence. You know, the lie and false assurance is, well, I've done enough. You know, like, I've done enough. I'm doing a lot of the good things. You know, and if we are constantly hoping if we're good enough to be confident in God, you're going to be woefully disappointed over and over and over. False assurance says, Lord, have I done enough to be loved by you? Have I done enough to get to heaven? Am I doing enough to do this? That's a never-ending spiral. Blessed assurance is confident that Jesus has done enough. Blessed assurance is Jesus is who he says he is. What God is doing in me is real. And in that, we can rest and abide in Christ. There is nothing like the presence of God. The Holy Spirit's presence in our life. But I want to warn you of the dangers of emotionalism. It says it in there that if our hearts condemn us, know that God's greater than our hearts. The Bible teaches us that our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all things. That means that your feelings will lie to you. When I first came to faith in Christ, I judged how I was doing with God of how I felt all the time. You know what that was? A yo-yo all the time. Like, I, like if I, man, when I first got it and I started preaching, I'm telling y'all, man, there were some mornings I was like, man, let's just go to heaven. I'm ready. <laughs> this is sweet. This is awesome. Man, God, you're speaking to me. I see you working in my life. And then there have been some seasons where I, I open up that Bible and it just feels zilch. It feels like I'm in the desert. And I, I don't feel anything. And I'm like, God, did I, what did I do wrong? Because I know, I, you know I'm fighting sin and all this. Listen, your feelings will lie to you. God's word never will. That's important. Your feelings will lie to you. God never will. Though he gave us feelings and it's good to feel close to God, know that that doesn't define your walk with Jesus. And that's what he teaches us. But when we do, verse 21, it says, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Listen, when your heart's right with the Lord, when, when you've repented of sin in your life, when, when you have a relationship with Jesus, there is nothing like being in right standing. You know, sin in our life is like a cloud before the sun. This, this series is about the light has come. 
that Jesus has come. And he's already come on the cross and he wants to come in our life. And when we're walking with sin in our life, it's like clouds in the way. Right, But when we repent and we get our hearts right before God, when we humble ourselves, we feel his light and his love, and there is nothing like that. That is where your confidence will come from. It'll come from him. And as you do that, it says that we can ask anything, and, and, and he'll answer prayers. Why? Because our hearts are aligned with him. We see him clearly. Therefore, we pray for things that are on God's heart. And man, your confidence will grow as you see your prayer journal filled up with check marks, right? Your, your confidence will grow as you begin to pray and you see God work in your life. You see him provide for you. You see the person in your life that's too far gone, you see him get saved. You see God turn them around. There's nothing like answer prayer. The enemy don't do change lives, but Jesus sure does, amen? Jesus sure does. And, and as you see answer prayer grow in your life, it grows your confidence. It grows in who we are. And then lastly, verse 21, I love, I'll leave you off with a teaser. I love how John leaves us. He said, this is how you know. You know it by the spirit he gave us. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And I grew up with not a, got a lot of good teaching about the Holy Spirit. But God, Jesus are in heaven. The Holy Spirit is God who is with us, among us. And if we know Christ, he is in us. And we know it because we know him. As we preach the word, he lights up in our life. As we sing the songs, we, we experience him. It's the Holy Spirit in our life. And that is how we know that we know that we know. And I think, just as we, if we I think about, that there's, there's nothing like our dad showing up in our lives. Amen? I reminded of the movie Little Giants and if you remember, I hadn't watched that in a while. We watched it a while back, and Johnny's a kid who's on the team. And he wants his dad to come watch him play, and his dad never shows up. His dad never shows up, and his dad tells him that he loves him, right? He tells him that he loves him, but he keeps not showing up. And Johnny's not very good at football, which the whole team ain't very good, but Johnny ain't either. And so it happens when he gets on the field on game day, He's not moving forward. He, he's not walking with confidence. He's not, they're not giving him the ball because they don't have any confidence. And I think for a lot of us, we just take God's love just as correspondence on a page. We read about it. We, we've heard it. But by faith, we can experience his presence. And just like he heard his dad say it. But in that scene, his dad rolls up and his dad comes into the end zone. And man, when he gets on that field and he recognizes that his father is with him, that he can see him, he can experience the presence of his father, he grabs that ball and he takes it right down the field. Incredible confidence as he runs life. Why? Because he experiences the presence of his father. What I want you to know is we're moving the ball down the field. I don't want you to hear it from me or from this book only. I want you to know that your father loves you. He's not too busy for you. He, he, he's not away on business. He is here. And he loves you. And he is where our confidence comes from. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Thank you for your truths. And God, I pray today, if someone... maybe struggling with that 
that there is no confidence because we've never experienced the presence of our Savior. The Bible teaches us in John 3, 3, that no one will see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And what that means is we experience newness of life, that it isn't we fight to become a better version of ourself, but the Holy Spirit comes into our life and transforms us, that we are now repentant of sin and we have a relationship with God. It also says in Revelation 3.20 that Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And what happens if you feel that knocking on your heart and you know it's never been confidence on the inside is God saying, I'm here. I'm present. My presence is here and I love you. I want to call you my son. I want you to have that confidence that was preached about today. I want you to know that you're of me, that your life will now demonstrate it. So if that's you today and you'd say, Buck, I I need a relationship with Jesus and I want to respond in faith to that, I'd just ask, would you be bold and lift your hand? Is that anybody in the house today that would say, today is my day of salvation. I want to know the Lord. Amen, brother. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Is there anyone else that would say yes to Christ? Amen. Lord, I pray for the rest of us as we respond. I pray that we would just enjoy singing and fellowshipping about your name, God, that you would move and work in our life. And God, that we would respond in faith, that we would get fresh confidence that you are in the room. The King truly is in the room. That you're moving and working in our church. God, I thank you for new life in Christ. Man, Lord, it's so good. God, I thank you for, I just thank you. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for what you've done with my family. You've been so good. Man, you're so good. So God, I pray that you just continue to move and speak where I can, Lord, to our people. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.